everybody. Welcome to When I'm High. This is the podcast that is all about what it's like to be high on marijuana. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. Um, in uh, a few episodes ago, you heard Abdullah. He is the one of the co-hosts of uh, the podcast Great Moments in Weed History, and I am lucky, lucky enough to have the other co-host on today, David Bienenstock. Please tell the people who you are, what you do, what do they need to know, uh, what are your plugs? Ah, well, plugs has two meanings. (laughs) (laughs) More than two, maybe. Yeah, right now my plug is my backyard because I'm growing my six plants here in California where it is legal, and uh, off the top, I'll say... Uh, you know, weed is on the ballot in seven different states. If you don't know, you should look it up. It might be where you live. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can also have some legal weed. I am a journalist and an author and a podcaster. So I started writing about cannabis uh, more than 15 years ago. I was working at High Times back when it was independent and cool and renegade. Uh, <laughs> If you want to know what happened, actually, a great Politico article just came out. So Google Politico High Times. Uh, And then uh, along the way, um, I've written a column about cannabis and food for Vice and uh, made a a show for them called Bong Appetit, which is actually not where I met Abdullah, my co-host on Great Moments in Weed History. It's not where we met. Uh, but that's really where we developed a creative partnership and a really great friendship and started having all kinds of weed discussions. Uh, and at a certain point, he parted ways with Vice and I parted ways with High Times around the same time. Uh, and we really wanted to produce, after working for all these you know, big brands, at least big brands in cannabis for sure, uh, we wanted to produce something independently, something that came really from the heart, uh, something that is entertaining. Uh, we both like to entertain people, uh, but that adds something to the culture. And and so great moments in weed history. Every episode is about a different story. Uh, could be anything from Willie Nelson smoked a joint on the roof of the White House. Yes. Uh, to, yeah. He sure did. A fat Austin torpedo. Uh, Or uh, Napoleon invaded Egypt, and that's how hashish got to Europe. Or we have an episode, how did the cannabis coffee shops in Amsterdam first open? A wild story. Or Maya Angelou has an incredible cannabis story, fella cootie. So, you know, we're three seasons into it now, um, and it's a lot of fun. and, And my other thing is I write a lot for Leafly and always like to shout them out. Um, they treat me very well as a journalist and it's a great outlet for my writing. That's awesome. Uh, you can't see, but I'm smiling over here because, uh, you know, when you're talking about your podcast, because it, it's just so amazing to hear these, these stories that span, you know, millennia and our it, it, cannabis has been such an important part of this history that we just have no idea about, and so it's it's a very informative and um, and funny podcast. And hearing you guys talk about this is has been great. I think I'm all caught up on all three seasons. Um, and actually, um, after Abdullah's episode aired, um, I started talking a little bit with Rye Pritchard, who was the 
I guess, the cannabis expert on Bong Appetit. And I ended up binging the first two seasons in probably a week or something like that. And that is such an amazing show. What was your role on that? Well, it actually, it began as a web series. So I worked on the web series, which is about 12 episodes, uh, maybe 16, 12 or 15 episodes. I always forget. Uh, um, So that was a, a precursor to the show then moved on to Viceland, uh, the the cable show. Um, but I worked on the web series, uh, and that was really fantastic. Like I said, that's where uh, Abdul and I really got to know each other. And, you know, all those episodes are still online. I think the most famous one that we did was uh, there's a woman called Nona Marijuana, who is uh, 90. Mm. She was 93 when we made the video. Uh, and she is an incredible activist for cannabis and one of the funniest people and actually somebody <laughs> uh, very close to my heart. I, I know her and her family well, and they uh, are on an incredibly beautiful cannabis farm and great people who you know really love the plant and have done a lot for the community. If you know Wham, mm. uh, or we, we have an, actually an episode of the podcast called Wham Takes Down the DEA. Mm-hmm. Uh, about this collective of of patients who grew cannabis for each other and took care of each other. And the DEA uh, came in and raided their garden and they hung tough and sued the government and kept doing what they were doing and really uh, changed the culture, you know. Yeah, I remember that being one of the more emotional episodes that was really touching and heartbreaking and uh, a, a triumph, really. Yeah, and I'm happy to say, you know, it's it's been a bit of a bumpy road the last few years, but Wham! is coming back really, really strong. And uh, uh, you're going to hear a lot about Wham! in a few months, and it's going to be really, really good news. Uh, awesome. So that's that's some of the things that makes me the happiest right now is, is seeing that happen. So That's good to hear. Well, should we get to the actual interview portion of this? I'm ready, my friend. All right. So um, this is a very standard first question when it comes to cannabis, but could you tell me the first time that you tried pot and if it wasn't the first time that that got you high, what was the first time that you actually did get high? Yeah. You know, I talk about this a little... uh, I wrote a book called How to Smoke Pot Properly. Uh, (laughs) And I do tell this story. It was, uh, this is a very New Jersey uh, version of this. It was behind a bowling alley. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, I bet I've, I've had, you know, this conversation with a lot of people over the years. And now people are like, oh, we went up to this lake and you all the stars. I'm like, yeah, we were behind the bowling alley on Route 22. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll talk about the first time I got high. And it was a very profound experience. Um, you know, I'm somebody who had a lot of anger and anxiety as a younger person. And, you know, it was the beginning of the process of of de- dealing with some of that, dealing with it in a, in a pretty, in a really healthy way. And, and you know, mm. and in a way that I know changed the course of my life just sort of internally. Yeah. And then obviously, even before I had a career in cannabis as 
wonderful and gross as that sounds to say it that way. But before that, I was on a cannabis path and I met people through cannabis and uh, it informed, you know, simply one of the things that like I love about cannabis so much and miss right now even in a hip place, like I lived in New York City for a long time, you know, where cannabis is illegal still to this day, uh, but lots of people smoke weed, you'd still have to go around to the back room of the party or out back of the concert or, you know, it, 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 now the marginalization and, and the, and the threat of arrest is terrible. And I was arrested and so many people are and the whole system so fucking racist but the marginalization and the need to share the act together and and pass a J around it brings you in contact with a s- specific subset of society you know and i would say a really cool one and <laughs> yeah uh one that is way preferable to a random sampling of people i don't know if you've been out and about in the world spencer uh but a lot of people are dicks and and i like to say you know cannabis isn't the cure for being an asshole but it's a good place to start i think i'm still working on it <laughs> sure uh, me but too. i think when you think of cannabis people even if they're an asshole they would be worse <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? yeah. it's, it's everybody with their edges a little rounded off and a little more open to uh disagreeing without being disagreeable and um i forget the question to be honest with you but i i'm sure i answered it at some point and the larger the larger point is oh from from getting high for the first time uh it, it really helped me internally as a person uh but i also think it's affected in so many ways the people I've met, the places I've gone, the experiences I've had, and I would uh, say much for the better. Absolutely. And you're definitely not the first person to say, you know, some people might be uh, less assholey if they got high. <laughs> and, you know, that's something that I've thought about for a long time that, you know, it, it could be, um, you know, it could be what almost saves the planet if people you know would just uh, I could go off on that but I won't um but yes you did answer the question and I actually appreciate that you kept it relatively short in um uh in the hopes that maybe to sell some more books if people want to hear the entire story they should go buy your book uh so you know people go buy his book Um, oh, and your is your, your Instagram and Twitter handle is it pot underscore properly or something like that? That is uh, Instagram and Twitter is pot underscore handbook. Handbook. Okay, yes, that's right. So uh, that's where we'll, we'll, I'll put that in the uh, the episode notes as well. But that's where you all can find him in the social medias. Um, so, do you have a preferred method of intake? I, I mean. If something's really good, I mean, ah, it's it's like to be nostalgic for smoking a joint with your friends. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of sad, you know, to think about, but I, I, I really am. And like, I would say to me, if cannabis is really good and the people you're hanging out with is a really good crew uh, and there's not a global pandemic. Yep. Uh, sharing a joint with your friends is about as good as it gets, you know? Sure. Um, Very communal. 
very communal. I'm not a dab person. I, you'll never dab with. Well, I, I don't mean you specific. I, if I'm dabbing, I'm in my pajamas and it's like twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a personal preference. Um, but to me, yeah, sharing a joint with your friends, like I could go for that right now. Nice, nice. And and you know, during a pandemic, uh, are you just smoking by yourself? Is it edibles? Uh, my wife and I are in the weed germ bubble together. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, for a productive day, I, I have, uh, I don't know if a gentleman, uh, Bob Snodgrass is an incredible glass blower and a huge part of that history kind of the og of all of it and uh i have a pipe that he blew that i like to just keep on my desk while i'm working and and take a puff now and then and keep it at a nice level for for working and then you know three or four puffs before being on a podcast about being high (laughs) seems about right and probably uh maintain that along the way Sure, very appropriate. And that was uh, Bob Snobgrass. Did I hear Snodgrass. that correctly? Uh, it's not that makes more sense. Actually, yes. Yeah, I, 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 it's all free people. You know, and you, I don't know. I don't want anybody to have to buy anything. Uh, but there's a Leafly article that I wrote about him, Bob Snodgrass, the Godfather of Glass. Uh, it's mm. actually a, a show I'm sure that we're going to do on great moments in weed history uh, coming up. Definitely that 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 key of a figure in that whole scene and an incredible person and just a stone cold hippie and blows beautiful pieces of art that you can smoke weed out of and that he very much wants you to smoke weed out of uh and his story was he he long story long amazing story short he used to go from dead show to dead show he'd set up pipes to sell and his his glass blowing equipment and he'd make pipes right in front of people. So that would draw a crowd. Uh, Then he had, you know, it was him and his whole family, like his wife and his kids. So, and every year he'd come back to town with the dead and people would bring their friends. And, and really he created an entire art craft industry that uh, continues to this day remains really craft. Uh, it doesn't have to be some really expensive. If you want to get yourself a nice glass piece, you know, you can look at the Instagrams of the shit that like cost $50,000 and appreciate <laughs> it as art. And there's even art shows where you can go and look at them. And there's a whole culture around that. I, I'm, I'm not, that's not, I, I appreciate it, but it's not like I'm uh, deeply a part of that culture. But to have a nice glass piece of your own, that costs a couple hundred dollars and was made by a skilled artisan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, if you, if, if it's and support the arts and, you know, if, if one can't afford it or makes a lovely gift, you know, just seek out a glass blower that you like and, and contact them directly, you know, or, or go to a really good reputable shop. Yeah, I'm really impressed with what glass blowers create. That's it's very much art, and like you said, it's also this very practical thing that you can smoke out of, uh, which is is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've seen pictures of some of some of these creations that people have made, and it just blows my mind. Uh, so yeah, obviously, and I can't wait to hear that the rest of that story about Bob. Uh, look forward to that. Yeah, right on. I, I think it will be in our next season. I, I, I'll say that much. Nice. Season four, 20. <laughs> uh, all right. So in a very general sense, uh, what does it feel like to be high 
for you specifically? Yeah, well, that can that can really vary, which is nice. You know, I think you can set some intentions even uh, if you know you want to get into a creative zone, if you know you want to get tamp down some anxiety or get hungry. I think a lot of it is dose dependent, uh, which is also nice because you can, you know, one puff of cannabis, you feel it. Even I, you know, obviously have been smoking quite a lot for quite a long time. But if you don't, the thing about it is like, if you overconsume, it's not a value judgment. It's like, I don't think you're a good or a bad person because you smoke more or less pot. I just think that you can actually get more out of it by kind of being intentional with your use most of the time. And then sometimes you just want to fuck a chief down. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like in, in terms of one puff might just loosen you up to play some basketball. Uh, but to me, smoking half a joint, uh, I don't want somebody in my face screaming and <laughs> slapping at the ball. And you know what I mean? That's, yeah. it's, it's not too high for life. It's just too high to play basketball or sure. to do your taxes. But if I'm, you know, going to watch a movie, uh, that's a totally different zone that I want to get into. Or like when we're recording the podcast, you know, I want to be toned in and feeling good and kind of vibing with Abdullah and connecting. Uh, But I also, you know, it's a complicated little dance to do the show. So, so, you know, that's a, that's a vibe to set. I, I think that's what's so great about it is it it has these different you know there's the medicinal effects which that's a whole other thing you know um for for so many different ailments and then there's what a guy dr lester grinspoon used to call enhancement which is making food taste better making music sound better um making everything that you already enjoy better that's a pretty awesome thing uh so i think that's to get the most out of it and like that's that's what you want is to really develop that relationship with the plant and 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 be conscious and uh intentional in your use of it yeah i like that because like you said there are different experiences in life and different, uh, you know, doses that make sense for each of those things. Um, I don't think it's any surprise to people that playing basketball and watching a movie are vastly different experiences. And so, yeah, it, they, they are definitely going to require uh, different different doses. Uh, and, and it depends on the person, obviously. Uh, you, you mentioned um, medical, me, the medicinal purposes. Do you use cannabis for any specific uh, medicinal purposes? Does it help you medically? Yeah, I would say, you know, for anxiety, you know, if you want to get right down to like, what would be a a diagnosis that, for example, you might be prescribed prescription drugs for, or that is Mm -hmm. in, you know, because you can define medicinal use a lot of ways, you know, yeah, Uh, like soul medicine, for sure. Uh, I wouldn't have that conversation with an MD studying it as a cancer treatment necessarily, you know, but I believe in that as a medicinal use. Uh, 
that just like the human condition, <laughs> you know, is is enough <laughs> for yeah. everyone to need a little medicine. Uh, for me personally, I would say anxiety. Um, but in my work as a journalist and also in in volunteering with that group WAM that I was talking about that really focuses on people with um, severe ailments. And, you know, I've seen so many people whose lives have been transformed by cannabis as a medicine um, from pediatric uh, cases, children with these, you know, severe seizure disorders all the way to end of life, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that to me, ultimately, like how we got here. Spencer, do you mind if I ask how old you are? I'm uh, 40, just turned 40. Okay, so we're pretty contemporary age-wise. But, you know, I'm sure younger people are listening to this and are going to come of age, depending on where you live, um, you know, in a world where cannabis is is legal and also pretty well thought of by a lot of people. Um, but, you know, you and I are old enough to have come up in a world where for most people there was no medical, most people in the United States and around the world, uh, that there was no medicinal access to this plant and the amount of people who suffered. Um, sometimes I just think like, think of all the people who suffered through chemotherapy and didn't at least have the option to try cannabis or the knowledge, the, the, the education about it to try it. Um, that's horrible. And, and what ultimately flipped it on its head is in California, through the work of a lot of activists, a lot of people who were in the uh gay community when it was hit with the AIDS crisis. Uh, we actually did two episodes about this on Great Moments in Weed History, one about Dennis Perone, one about Brownie Mary. If you love cannabis and those names are, are not known to you, please understand what people sacrificed to mm. create medical cannabis and were arrested and shot. Dennis Perone was shot by the police. But they created medical cannabis first in San Francisco and then in California. And what it allowed beyond the access, it gave people the ability to talk openly about their experiences with cannabis as a medicine. And every person who did that were able to convince a lot of people in their lives that what they were saying is true. Like you have to be such an unbelievable asshole that if your aunt comes to you and says, oh my God, I'm no longer puking my way through chemotherapy because I smoke a little weed and you want to call the cops on your beloved aunt or your kid or your fucking grandma, that person just almost does not exist, mm -hmm. you know? And so what happened is that is really the way that some deep understandings about the plant spread. And the momentum that led up to uh, legalization and this huge, huge change in public opinion—that um, is, that is where it came from, you know. And I've spoken with so many people, um, you know. Cannabis—it's—it's—it's 
it's life transforming as a medicine and it does not have these terrible side effects of, of, of pharmaceuticals. And so, you know, it is a, it's a profound experience of healing, uh, that, you know, I've seen firsthand so much. And I just say this to people listening, there's going to come, you obviously are 20 something minutes into hearing me. Hi, talking about weed, you're on team weed. <laughs> Part of team weed is there's going to be somebody in your life who gets a cancer diagnosis or many other ailments, you know, from MS to you can look it up. You have to be the person to at least educate them and at least uh, make them aware of all the science that shows how helpful it can be for them. And if you're in a prohibition state, you have to bring them cannabis and show it to them and ask them if they want to try it. And at that point, it's their decision. Um, but I think that's, you don't want to look back and wish that you did that. Yeah, I absolutely think that it is up to, you know, specifically in the cannabis world, it is up to the people who are fans of this plant to to do the work to get the word out there as much as possible because there are still people who just don't understand. And like you said, you're going to know somebody who gets cancer or something and you it is on all of us to to help out in any way we can. You know, I know some people who keep it very private and they're not activists and they don't really want to talk about it and that's okay, but I also feel like, you know, this is this is a thing that helps people both physically and emotionally and spiritually. So let's let's get you know. Thankfully, the ball is already rolling, but we it needs a lot of help. It needs as many people behind it as we can get. You know the the episode that will air before yours uh, hasn't aired yet at the time of this recording um, is my wife's best friend of over thirty years. Uh, she was already a cannabis user, but she got diagnosed with breast cancer and it, you know, luckily she was able to to take it legally at that point, um, but it helped her immensely going through chemo and I mean, it's it's just heartbreaking, but yeah, on that note, <laughs> how does your level of focus change when you're high? Uh, terrible segue into that one, but you know, I, I love this question because it's it's so prevalent with cannabis. Uh, how does your focus change? Does it get wider? Does it get more focused? How is that with you? Yeah, I, I think you know partially it it has to do with some of the some of what we talked about with dosage and intention, and then you know it's such a trendy thing. Like people talk about flow state, and you know that whole kind of mind hacking that I, I, I find it distasteful, <laughs> the modern iteration of it. Uh, but the, the idea within it um, is intrinsic to cannabis for me. And I think the best example I can give, and maybe an example of, of why weed history is important to me and why I think people need to know it, uh, at least if they care about weed, some of the earliest adopters of cannabis culture in the United States. Now, cannabis culture goes back 10,000 years to the beginning of agriculture with cannabis being one of the first, if not first, plants that uh, were, 
were grown, that were farmed uh, rather than collected or foraged. So there's always been cannabis culture as long as there's been cannabis in all different forms, many of which we don't know about, but like ancient culture, Scythians and shit. Mm -hmm. But in the United States, jazz musicians, uh, from the beginning of jazz, it's so intertwined with cannabis and the, and that comes to, to bear in a lot of ways, but among them are this idea about improvisation Mm. And being, you know, in this flow state that is both high amount of concentration, but also completely let go. You know, the paradox within that is something that cannabis can really help you achieve. Whereas, you know, I think obviously a lot of people like to drink and I do not turn down a drink at the end of the night myself, but it doesn't engender that state. You know, and ultimately, if you drink enough, it's going to slow your reflexes down. So as a jazz musician, um, but what they found in cannabis was the ability to reach this state where you're very, very closely concentrating on what you're doing, uh, but you're also lost in it and, and able to react in the moment. And that's the best state uh, I like to get into with cannabis if I can. Yeah, I think that's the fascinating, you put it so well, it's this paradox of being hyper-focused and concentrated, but also having this wide range of focus at the same time or being lost in it, whatever that is, it's this fascinating thing that these two things can happen at the same time when somebody is high. And it's amazing that it, it can work. I mean, yeah, if you go a little too far, it might, you know, it might not work so well, but if you hit that right spot, which I think is a pretty a pretty big white right spot, uh, it's it's pretty amazing what can happen. Um, and yeah, the 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 improvisation, the jazz musicians. I mean, I know my dad brings that brings that up all the time. That's one of his favorite examples, and it, and it a lot of people bring it up a lot because it is such this perfect example of during this time before it was uh, made illegal that they could just do whatever they wanted and they were experimenting and creating this new art form and it's it's just mind-blowing i i i played in a jazz band in in school a little bit but i never got into the improv aspect of it really and um i so i'm not i'm not a a jazz scholar but i really want to go back and listen to old recordings of that and just you know get lost in sort of what they were doing and and get into that mindset it's beautiful yeah and we we have an episode of great moments in weed history it's uh all about louis armstrong and his weed dealer slash occasional accompanist uh mes mesro uh and this guy wrote uh let me just i'll just say enough if 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 this perks your ears up or not that's up to you but uh is I, i based a lot of the history in the episode on this guy Mez Mesro was sort of the weed dealer of the of the day in Harlem during the Harlem Renaissance and during this incredible period in jazz history in the twenties uh, and thirties. Uh, and he wrote a memoir about it, about his experiences uh, playing jazz, selling weed to all these jazz musicians. Um, and so, yeah, it's actually, I think that might be my personal favorite episode and just an era of history. If I had a weed 
time machine uh, <laughs> and I could go back to any weed scene of all time, that is definitely where I would personally head. Yeah, I think I would join you because that would be an amazing place to go to. Did you ever hear there was um I think it was like a Comedy Central made for TV movie with uh what's her name Alana Glazer and her's like her and her cousin have a bong that's a time machine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was super goofy but obviously very funny because of the 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 premise and she is amazing uh but yeah i i uh, enjoyed that very goofy movie it wasn't about going to weed times in history but it was definitely a, a weed uh, time time machine i mean i think that's that's a pretty common dream oh yeah yeah <laughs> i wish this bong could just take me through time um so well speaking of time what is your sense of time like when you get high that's hard to distinguish because I probably don't have the best sense of time when uh when you're sober. Not high. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, I guess I like to daydream. So daydreaming uh is probably more to do with my loss of sense of time than uh than weed. Although there's probably correlate there's definitely correlation between weed and daydreaming, and I'm guessing causation as well sure sure so uh yeah just more lost in time and daydreaming when you get high yeah um you mentioned creativity before how for for you personally how do you think your creativity is affected uh you're obviously a writer um probably other things as well do you feel more or less creative when you get high uh, I'm going to shock you to say more. <laughs> hey, those are kind of the two, you know, the two pillars of my professional life are making things in weed. Yeah. Um, and of course, that comes from what I was always interested in and in trying to turn it into a job. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, what, what people really need to know uh, is that there's something called hyperpriming, which is a scientific term for basically how your brain makes connections between two ideas or thoughts or observations or words or anything uh, that don't necessarily have an obvious connection. And what this study showed, you can find it just Google cannabis hyperpriming. Uh, for the study or for some longer explanations, but basically found that when you're high, the brain makes more of these connections. Uh, and I think that's the key to creativity. In the example of a jazz musician who's improvising and doing it in real time, that's where the hyper comes in. You're able to make these connections at a faster rate and, and, you know, when you're dealing in the split second timing of of uh, playing in a, a jazz trio or quartet and everyone's improvising, that's the key. Uh, and, and of course, you can train yourself towards that, whether you use cannabis or not. And you can smoke cannabis every day and not know how to play the trumpet at all. <laughs> but... <laughs> There is scientific evidence for that. For me, uh, you know, like I said, uh, basketball is my game. Basketball is also improvisational like that. Mm. A couple puffs 
uh, I'm in there. I, I don't doubt that other people can, can smoke five dabs and play basketball and run game on me all day. But, but for me, that's my experience. And when I'm writing, I can definitely get pretty high because it's not, there's no one watching me. It's not a performance and it's not a competitive sport. So if I blank out for a few minutes and then come back, and I don't mean blank, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if I daydream off the given path of what I'm actually trying to create for a couple of minutes and then come back to it, uh, no harm, no foul. So I, I think, you know, cannabis is most definitely a creative tool for me. And it's also proven by science. Uh but it is not a replacement for creativity or an excuse to not create. So if you find yourself, you know, I speak a bit more to younger people and and from my own experience, like if you find yourself smoking a bunch of weed and two hours later, if you haven't actually created something, then it didn't make you creative. You might've had some interesting thoughts and that is a kind of creativity um, but if one is to be a creator, uh, you know, you got to make shit <laughs> and it doesn't have to necessarily be, uh, great, but you, you know, that's how to use it as a creative tool. I think in the book I said, uh, decide what you're going to do after you get stoned before you get stoned <laughs> and then do it. Yeah. And I do feel like, you know, like you said, if you got high for two hours and you didn't actually create something, but you had some thoughts, those thoughts, if if they are, um, uh, that could be a form of creativity. If you were thinking of things that you will then create later, maybe when you are or not, are not high, you know, I think we've all had the experience of thinking back on that later and be like, oh, well, that really wasn't a very good idea. But sometimes I think there are some gems in there and, you know, it you know depends on what what your form of creation is. If it if it's writing uh, or or something, you could come back to that later, stoned or not, and create the thing that you had the idea for when you got high. Uh, but but yeah, especially for for musicians and artists. I mean that that is a in the moment, get high, do the thing. Who knows what's gonna come out of that. And then I've got to say on the back end too, a lot of writing or like editing, I've, I've had other jobs where I edited video. Mm-hmm. If I write a long piece, a long, you know, investigative journalism story, I will have read some version of that dozens and dozens of times before it's done. And Cannabis is two things for me also that I should definitely mention. One is gives me the ability to sit and go through things that I've already gone through a lot and not lose my fucking mind and get super <laughs> fucking bored. Uh, but the uh, kind of the opposite to kind of lock into it. And so that is incredibly valuable to me um, because I think that's, the difference between your good work and your best work is the amount of time you can put into it. And and the other thing is, and I think as a musician, I've never, I, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts, but with editing video or with reading these things, 
you need fresh eyes on something that you've, you know, listened to 50 times or, or you're editing a piece of video and you've watched it 50 times. How are you going to have the perspective of somebody, you know, who hasn't seen it once and you can't, but cannabis really fucking helps with that. Uh, and you just, you just take a little break, you smoke a little bit, you come back and you just kind of mentally reset. Yeah, I will say uh, my my day job is actually a lot of video editing and um, not for work, but on some personal projects, I have actually gotten high and gone to work on these projects. It's only happened really a couple of times, but it's definitely exactly what you're saying. You you see it with fresh eyes. It's not uh, It's not the beast that it was before. It's this sort of new thing. And it just allows you to uh, just to see it differently. And like you said, make connections of things that maybe you hadn't before. Um, I think I've even edited um, some of the earlier episodes of this podcast hype. Like, and it just it just felt it felt right. It felt like I was finding things that I just hadn't seen before. Um, I don't know. It's I, I can't speak to music, making music specifically because I uh, I haven't been a musician for a long time. That's something that I want to get back into, actually. Um, but yeah, from from a, like a video or audio editing standpoint, everything you said makes makes sense. And this will apply, you know, to you know a- anything that is broadly creative in your life. You can you can just enhance the experience of it, cooking a meal or woodworking or, you know, or just experiences, whatever whatever you're into. That was the idea of Dr. Grinspoon. And we, we have a a, a episode of him about him and his friendship with Carl Sagan uh, as, as best buds, so to speak. And that insight that it enhances things. You know, this is somebody who is a uh, Harvard Medical School professor and an MD and a brilliant researcher uh, who got into cannabis by trying to convince Carl Sagan not to smoke it uh, and ended up realizing that the case against weed was all propaganda and actually enjoyed smoking cannabis the rest of his life, often with Carl Sagan, and came to realize. And so when you have a medical doctor uh, and a Harvard Medical School professor telling people, hey, this stuff just enhances your life, and that's good. Like, like even in the medical, in, in the early days of like just trying to convince people that it was a medicine, often, you know, there was an instinct for good reasons, not to talk about the pleasure of it. And that's what's cool about the show and not to talk about the enhancement of it. And that's so important and also medicinal, you know, also part of healing yourself, you know, even like I said, even just from the human condition. And so like what's cool about this show and why I'm uh, very appreciative that you invited me onto it is you know, there's a lot of media around cannabis right now. There's a lot of even just podcasts around cannabis right now. I think they're all, uh, well, maybe not all of them. I haven't listened to all of them. There's probably a Nazi weed podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, (laughs) uh, you know, whether there's a lot covering the news of it, which is great, the business side of it, uh, 
which at least I think if you're putting, you know, a good perspective on it is important. We try to do the history, um, but just simply the experience of being high and the pleasure of it or, or the medicinal aspects uh, or, you know, but, but it, it's important to have that discussion because it's an important part of what the plant brings into our lives. Well, th- thank you for saying that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm the one who's appreciative that you agreed to be on this podcast. Um, and this is the, what you said is exactly why I wanted to create this in the first place. Um, it was something that I was curious about, that I wanted to talk to people about, because people don't talk about this. They talk about the medical side, the business side, the, the news of it, which is all very, very important. Uh, but I just felt like... I can't really speak to those things. I can talk to people about those things, but the thing that interest interested me the most was, what is it like? And uh, you know, so so yeah. Thank you for doing this. Um, I do have one more question for you. I know that we're almost at our time. Um, I of course could talk to you for hours about this, and you know, if we had the 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 world in that would allow this, I would love to just sit with you and you know, at a bar or restaurant or whatever, and just talk about these things. But that's not the reality. So my question is... Hold on. I got an idea. We work out this time-traveling bong thing. Ah. We go back to the 1920s jazz scene. No no pandemic. Plenty of reefer. Probably at a very, very good price. Oh, yeah. And, And we'll do it there. I think that's a great plan, uh, and that it's just after the 1918 pandemic. So <laughs> yes, yeah, good, good sweet spot. Let's do pre. Let's do pre depression. Yeah. Uh, so twenty to okay. twenty eight. Nineteen twenty to nineteen. Perfect. A hundred years ago. It's a perfect time. I will. I will get on that technology right after this. Uh, so my last question is: What do you want to say to Pot? Thank you. <laughs> and thank you <laughs> i'm speaking as pot uh no that that's uh i think that's what everybody would like to say to pot um and uh i i, I appreciate it i appreciate you and um l- lastly just you know where where can people find you let's get those social media things out there again and um and uh what's your book oh uh the book is called how to smoke pot properly a highbrow guide to getting high like i said and i don't ever want to tell people to buy anything i'm sure you can find a used copy (laughs) i just hate buying things so it's very hard for me to tell don't steal things like okay if it's from some big corporation i honestly don't care but support people who make things you don't yes, have, you yes. know what I mean? Definitely do some of that. And if you're stealing all your media, you know, people make it and, you know, you're, you're, you're stealing something. Just be comfortable with it at least. Don't let yourself completely off the hook. Let me put it that way. Uh, and the podcast, which you can listen to completely for free, is called Great Moments in Weed History. Uh, and otherwise, uh, like I said, I like to mention Leafly. Uh, where I often write about all aspects of cannabis. Nice. Um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, oh. Um, can people buy the book directly from you, or do they have to go somewhere else? To buy it? <laughs> I got some copies here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like an official thing, but uh, I have a website that's my name dot com. Uh, you, you can find my email there, and if 
uh, if if you do that, I'll be happy to sell you a book. Nice, nice. Go directly to the source. <laughs> and uh, and if you guys want to give uh, David and Abdullah a few bucks, they have a Patreon for their podcast. I highly, highly recommend that people do that. And uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much uh, for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a blast. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks for having me. So, of course, I have to tell all the people the normal things. Uh, You can find my information in the episode notes. Um, I have a Patreon if you want to donate. Whatever. People know these things. Please rate and review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, until next time, this is Spencer and David talking about what it's like to be high. And uh, next time, there will be a new interview. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.